0: So the first thing to remember is that kids and teens are wired to adapt and parents and caregivers have been so creative in the ways that they're using these opportunities, this opportunity of crisis, to teach their kids about the value of helping, about how to see the positive, about how to manage difficult feelings.
1: That's Dr. Ashley Miller, a BC Children's Hospital psychiatrist and parent of two. We're all connecting virtually today as we practice physical distancing to talk about parenting during COVID-19. Living in close quarters while physical distancing can bring about a number of new challenges. Let's face it, we're not used to spending this much time together in one quickly shrinking space and many of us feel like we're at our limit. Add to that the stress of school closures, financial concerns, possible job loss, navigating working from home and spending more and more time on screens. It's a recipe for novel stresses that can make parenting even more challenging than usual. I'm Michelle Horton.
2: And I'm Brent Asquith. So what can we do to lower stress levels and foster healthy family relationships during the COVID-19 pandemic, all while spending so much time together? We spoke with Dr. Ashley Miller, who offers some strategies for parents and families that you can begin using today. Here's some of that conversation. Dr. Miller, in your work at BC Children's Hospital, you spend hours coming alongside families to support them through mental health challenges and the impacts those challenges can have on family relationships. In your last few weeks supporting families during COVID-19,
0: what are some of the challenges families have expressed to you? Loss of supports is one of the things, especially for parents of kids who really relied on school or on some kind of in-home or respite services That's been really tricky for them. The lack of personal space, the financial stress, families, you know, it's it's a range. So some families are managing just fine and others are really feeling the stress of more arguing, conflict, and just sort of tripping over each other in close quarters.
1: Yeah, I definitely uh, have experienced some of that in my family as well. Uh, what are some steps that families can take to maintain healthy relationships with each other while living in tight quarters? And if you could maybe go through some strategies for uh, families with younger kids, as well as some strategies for families with youth and young adults.
0: The first thing is really as parents, just to know that we are all doing the best we can under extremely challenging circumstances. So I want every parent out there. To and every caregiver just to really be as kind to themselves as possible and to take off some of that pressure, especially as kids are getting back to school around having to be the teacher and everything else. We want to have routine for kids. We want parents to be in charge because that creates security for kids. But beyond that, having to get everything down to the detail is just not realistic. So I think that's the first thing. And to make sure that there's some time for ourselves, it can be really challenging and we might feel like really compelled that we have to be on at all moments, but we can't function at 10 out of 10 all the time, especially not without breaks. So whatever that looks like for for you as a parent or caregiver to give yourself permission for that and to let your family know that that's part of how everyone's going to take care of each other. Then it's out of love to give yourself a bit of a break. So for younger kids, really things like making time for connection every day, whether that's 10 minutes of cuddles at bedtime, reading a story together, playing outside with a ball, as long as it's safe to do so, that really helps kids stay grounded, the connection and play. For school-age kids, we want to help them put feelings into words. Kids may not feel like they want to talk about things, and that's okay too, just spending time playing with school-age kids as well, drawing with them, singing, whatever they like to do, baking, those kinds of things. For older kids and teens, acknowledging that they need their own space too, that it's a totally normal thing for a teen to miss being with their friends, to want their own personal space and also emotional and mental space and not to take that personally. That's just normal, right? That's what their job is. Um, And yet to be there with them and prompt conversations too, to ask them how they're doing, what their concerns are, and to listen to those as best we can. Seeing the good in each other. Fundamentally, you know, when people do something irritating, someone loses their temper and yells at you, someone leaves their laundry lying around the living room floor, and you just want to tear your hair out because now you can't leave. You have to look at it. You have to sort of take a step back and remember that the other person is also doing the best they can. Some of us are messier. Some of us make a lot of noise. You know, all these irritations. Chances are if the other person's doing something that we don't like, because they're struggling, not because they want to irritate us.
1: And in those um, moments where other people in your household are doing things that might be irritating to you or stressful for you, is there something that you can do in the moment to try to not react immediately in a negative way?
0: Yeah, I think it's two parts, you know. The part of the problem why people lose it is because we we may just suck it up, suck it up, suck it up, and then blow. And so it's actually better to be open and clear about our limits. In a family, so for example, to say, you know, when I see the laundry on the floor, I feel really stressed because I feel like then it's my responsibility to pick it up and I'm already feeling pretty stressed about work or life or whatever, as opposed to why do you always leave the laundry on the floor? It's a difference, right? We want to use I statements, talk about our own feelings, as opposed to blaming the other person. So that's one thing. And and if we can take a, a few breaths, that usually helps with that perspective change, that'll help too.
2: You're listening to where you are, a podcast from the BC Children's Kelty Mental Health Resource Center. Parenting at any time can be challenging. Parenting during COVID-19 can be even more stressful. Check out our website at keltymentalhealth.ca to find tips for talking to children about COVID-19, strategies for supporting your child's mental health during the pandemic. Self-care resources for parents, so you can take care of you and much, much more. Dr. Miller, family life has dramatically changed since being asked to stay home during the COVID-19 pandemic. And many parents, as we've alluded to and you've mentioned, are wearing multiple hats, be it teacher, chef, project manager, employee, and are feeling pulled in a hundred different directions. You mentioned some strategies, you know, being kind to yourself and being clear in terms of communication, but. What can parents do in the moment when they're really feeling stretched and overwhelmed?
0: So, some of the things that I like to do are first, if I can, to notice that this is a tough moment to just say privately in my head something like, Ouch, that hurts, or this is a moment of suffering, or man, this is really hard. May I be kind to myself in this moment? Another thing you can do is a very brief stop meditation. So, the S is for stop. T is for take three deep breaths. O is for observe. So observe your sensations, your body, your emotions. And then P is proceed. So in a few seconds to a minute, you can take a physical break if you need to. So even if you have relatively young kids, you can say mommy or daddy or grandpa, whoever, I just need a bit of time I'll be right back. I'm not going anywhere far. I just need a tiny bit of time to calm down. And then, if you need to go in the washroom or the corner of the room, and then you come back, we don't want to do that very long for for young kids, of course. But if it's between that or really losing your cool, it's better to take the break. And with older kids and teens, really recommend again, letting kids know when you're starting to get stressed and if you need a bit of a break. Because they can understand that they can read you anyway. If you try to fake it and, and just kind of hold it all together, they, they actually feel more nervous because they see that you're not okay. So it's okay to voice it a little bit. You don't want to burden them, but you, you can tell them a bit about how you're doing and if you need a break.
2: You know, in my household, I had a moment the other day and I was feeling really stressed and I just needed to say to my kids, like, mom needs two minutes for herself. I'm gonna be over here in the kitchen and you guys can be over here playing Lego in the living room. And it's such a great reminder to just be able to have that pause.
0: Absolutely. And we we worry about the pausing sometimes with our partners because we don't want to reject them or we just wanna finish the argument. We just wanna like get it done. But when tempers are flaring, our bodies, our heart rate is up, our blood pressure is up, we actually can't calm down and we do need to pause sometimes to regain our composure. And sometimes humor works, but sometimes you just don't have a sense of humor because it's all so stressful, you know? So
2: do what you can. So you mentioned some really great things to do in the moment. Is there anything that you would recommend that parents can do on a daily basis or proactively to lower stress levels during times of uncertainty?
0: Absolutely, so the basic routine and rhythm of a day really helps kids having a schedule, having a wake-up time, having some physical activity, ideally outside, having certain set times when it's going to be schoolwork or play or meals. That helps all people, especially kids. Connection time, ideally some one-on-one time with kids and noticing the good in what they're doing and helping them notice the good in the world. Who are the helpers? Talk about Dr. Bonnie Henry. Talk about the doctors and nurses and grocery store workers and delivery people and everybody who is helping and let the kids figure out ways of helping too. Because when you feel you're helping, whether it's cleaning your closet or bringing food to an elderly neighbor, that actually helps improve anxiety as well. And when you do organize that closet, you have a sense of mastery. Like, hey, I've done this. I can't do everything, but I can do this. Notice what you still have, what hasn't been canceled. Notice the sunshine, the small things. And decrease the media exposure. There's only so much we need to read or watch to be good citizens. Beyond that, we can be fueling the anxiety centers in our brain, and that can be counterproductive. And just keep finding the joy in every day because there's always something that's good. And you can keep a little gratitude journal with your kids or yourself or just talk about it.
1: I think there are so many great tips in there, and and I think that we've been trying to do that in our home, talk about what we're still grateful for and what hasn't been canceled, and it does help kind of change and shift the mood in the home from kind of always focusing on what you can't do to what you still can do and can enjoy, and, uh, and Dr. Bonnie Henry is definitely a household name in our house as well. So, just one question. We know that kids are having some big feelings right now, and that this can sometimes lead to challenging behaviors. So, how do parents kind of balance being empathetic with these big feelings kids might be having during COVID 19 while also, you know, being firm and addressing these challenging behaviors that might come up?
0: There's a great parenting um, program called Circle of Security, and their advice for parents and caregivers is always be bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind. Whenever possible, follow your child's lead and whenever necessary, take charge. And I think that's a really good framework, especially at a time like this when there's so much uncertainty. So we want to, as parents and caregivers, still be the ones setting the rules, setting the boundaries, setting the schedule. That helps kids and even teens feel secure. So if a teen is, is pleading, but I just want to go out with my friends, I just want to, you know, come on. And as a parent, you think, "Oh, they're having such a hard time." I want to be empathic, but basic safety is the is the key priority right now. And so, setting the limit is so important, whether it's a toddler or a teenager, and that actually does help with security. And then, because of course, there'll be a reaction, whether you're telling the toddler they can't go outside or the teen they can't go out with their friends. So, being able to attend to their emotional needs to listen non-judgmentally and to validate and acknowledge their feelings. So if a teen says, but it's so unfair, you know, my friend got to go out and play soccer with their friend. How come you won't let me? You still have to set the limit. And at the same time, and maybe even before really acknowledging, I can understand how disappointing that must be. You're really missing your friends It's just not good enough to hang out with your parents. We are not the same. And I would also completely want to go outside if I were in your place. You know, so to be able to say those things in whatever words make sense for your kid, depending on their age, as you're setting the limit helps. If you can, to use those acknowledging or validating words first before setting the limit usually helps it go more smoothly.
2: Dr. Miller, for our listeners who have tried a number of these strategies that you've mentioned but are still experiencing conflict or high levels of
0: stress in their home, what advice might you have for them? So one one thing I didn't mention yet, of course, is the importance of reaching out to our own family and friends and the people who are naturally supportive to us in times of stress as parents and caregivers. It can be great to even set a regular time to talk with friends on the phone or online, to get support and to talk through the challenges we're having as parents, because we're all having them. If you have a counselor for your child or yourself from before, chances are they're still up and running and doing virtual appointments, so get in touch for sure. Family doctors' offices are open They may not be seeing many patients in person, but they definitely want to hear from you around your concerns for your child's mental health or your own mental health. Some of our uh, resources have really expanded in the province under COVID. So, for example, the Canadian Mental Health Association is offering their bounce back program. A referral isn't needed anymore. That's for older teens and for parents. There's a parent support line through Parent Support BC. The Kelty Mental Health Resource Centre, still open, providing advice to parents, caregivers, educators, and professionals. And there's a parent in residence who can provide peer support for parents and caregivers who have children and youth with mental health issues. And the Foundry now has expanded virtual counselling. So that's foundrybc.ca for ages 12 to 24, including some support for parents. So lots and lots of excellent resources out there.
2: Thank you. All those great resources that you just mentioned, we will absolutely make available on our podcast episode page too.
1: So Dr. Miller, despite the challenges and some of the increased stress that families are experiencing at this time, what are the bright spots or silver linings that might emerge for families?
0: So the first thing to remember is that kids and teens are wired to adapt. They are so good at figuring out what to do in a new context. And parents and caregivers have been so creative in the ways that they're using these opportunities, this opportunity of crisis, to teach their kids about the value of helping, about how to see the positive, about how to manage difficult feelings. Some families are feeling more connected than ever because all the distractions are gone. There's no running around and busyness. Things are simpler. There's maybe more time in nature, gardening, creating, drawing, singing, dancing together. So I'm really hopeful that we're going to emerge from this having learned some new things about our strengths as individuals, but also as families and communities. And I really am confident that we're going to get through this together.
1: I think that's a wonderful note to end on. Thanks, Dr. Miller. Are there any final thoughts or words of wisdom that
0: you wanted to share out? Find the good in each day, right? And to help the kids do the same, to remember that parents, caregivers, teachers, healthcare providers, grandparents, everyone's still there for kids, that there are lots and lots of resources to help us with those sticky parts. But thank you so much uh, for taking the time to ask about this really important topic.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. This episode of Where You Are is brought to you by BC Children's Kelty Mental Health Resource Centre. To find resources from this episode or to subscribe so you won't miss an episode, go to
2: keltymentalhealth.ca slash podcast or find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you'll make us a go-to resource to promote your family's mental health and wellness from where you are to where you want to be.